The Tulane Executive MBA program has given me the business acumen to perfectly complement my technical expertise, creating limitless career opportunities. I'm Claude Davis, principal scientist and official spokesperson for Zatarans. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. According to some statisticians, there are two types of people in the world. The people who believe there are two types of people in the world and the others. We like to divide things up into opposites, like married or single, man or woman, rural or urban. But increasingly, we're coming to find out that things are, if you'll pardon the expression, not so black and white. Uh, marriage alternatives and pansexuality are subjects for shows that probably don't wander into the realm of business, but the dichotomy of rural and urban does. We've spent generations building cities and suburbs that have pushed anything rural out to where the land is cheap, and we've thrown organic waste into plastic bags when we could have been recycling it as compost. Times are changing. Today, right here in New Orleans, whether you have a home or a business, you can recycle your organic waste and have it made into compost. And you can buy compost for your garden by the bag or by the ton. All this is thanks to Nico Craybill and Nico's business, Schmelly's Dirt Farm. Nico, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Very few people are doing more to blur the line between urban and rural than Grant Estrad. Grant and his wife, Kate, are the founders and operators of Laughing Buddha Nursery and local cooling farms. Under these two banners, it's extraordinary how much Grant and Kate have going on. Here's a short list. Their nursery and metairie specializes in helping people grow plants naturally and organically. They sell everything you need for hydroponics and aquaponics. They organically raise pigs, goats, and chickens. They sell their own brand of soil called Bagoplenty and they sell their organically raised meat and produce at their Metairie location. You can subscribe to their co-op and get organic protein and produce delivered. That's a lot. Grant, welcome out to lunch. Great, thanks for having me. <laughs> Nico, I'll start with you. Let's, and let's begin with the basics of composting. Uh, the name of your company is Schmelly for a reason. Uh, making industrial quantities of compost in an urban environment must have its challenges for your neighbors. So two questions, where and how? How do you manufacture commercial quantities of compost, and where are you doing this? Well, I definitely am growing to get to that point. I started out with five clients about three years ago, and it was just a few coffee shops. It took me a few hours a week. And now, in this case, you mentioned clients as being where you're getting... Where I'm picking up organic food waste from. And I had a conversation with them, how much you know could you afford for this service, being that it be reliable? Because earlier, I'd pick up from places here and there, but I would do it on my schedule. That didn't really work well for a lot of restaurants. They want it picked up like trash pickup, you know? So, And if you pick it up, by the way, that's going to save them in garbage disposal costs? Yeah, to a certain extent. I've heard from a lot of my clients that they can reduce, you know, cut, cut out one trash can and have to pay less. Um, some of the bigger clients, like Whole Foods, are paying less by 
you know, you putting less food into their compactor, their truck that picks up the compactor doesn't have to come as much. But um, we try to balance it out as much as possible. I mean, it is a service, and, and to be reliable, we need to get paid. So we charge for the waste management service. Do you have a, a farm of those composters that you spin around? I have one in my backyard. Do you have, like, <laughs> like a solar farm of them somewhere? That would, that would be a really interesting site. Um, no, I, I put it in windrows, um, and I, I mix it with wood chips. So... Um, I, I'm pretty heavy on the wood chips to keep the smell down, so um, I am on a piece of land right next to Hollygrove Market and Farm, or the former Hollygrove Market and Farm, and um, really my, my goal is to work with farms around the city, so using the land that people are farming on to make compost for that farm, um, and then any excess I can take for the business and sell it. Now, Grant, one of the rules they tell you early on in courses on how to start up a business is Focus on your, your core function. Decide precisely what problem it is that you're trying to solve. Focus on that and solely on that. You seem to have broken that rule about 20 times. You're raising animals and produce on a farm. You're selling plants in a nursery. And on top of all the other stuff you're doing, you're running a citywide food hub distribution co-op. Is the conventional entrepreneur wisdom wrong? Or are these various enterprises actually all connected in some way to solving the same problem? Well, for us, it's a it's a very big you know synergy thing. I mean, one thing is going to play off of the other. So, I had 15 years ago, I started up the the retail garden shop, and a lot of people were asking where they can buy quality soil and, and compost. From. And 15 years ago, organic wasn't as hip as it is now. It, it was not. You know, we opened up about a year before Katrina, and after that, that was actually a big paradigm shift for people. I really saw. Uh, people's perspective on the environment change, which is very interesting to actually kind of like see that go, you know, from one year to the next change. Uh, and so it became, uh, it became something on the mind of, of everybody, really. You know, they start talking about climate change and stuff. And even though they didn't necessarily say, uh, believe in climate change or anything, it, it started the conversation for, for a lot of people. And so, no, so 15 years ago, I did feel like I was a little early, um, you know, into the market, but, um, but we held in there and, um, and then, you know, obviously we're, we're still here. Today. And then where, where was the next uh, venture? Was that the, the farm or? It was, well, so we, we started getting a lot of calls for, for soil. And so like Nico, I started, um, doing a composting business. And that turned into, um, you know, a very sustainable part of the business. It actually took me a, away from the, the retail shop a lot. And then I ended up partnering with another company, which I'm not partnered with anymore, but we started up a really large-scale composting facility. And, um, and I, had, uh, you know, parted ways with them. And then I was like, what's next on the list? And, uh, you know, farming is not, you know, farming livestock is not very far from, you know, farming plants, right? So I was like, let's, let's go ahead and, and do the farm, you know? Yeah. So I was like, that's going to be the next project. And, and on the farm, and on his farm, he had some. We have uh, we do uh, beef, goats, um, and then the pigs. Those are the main three things, and then the eggs are a big thing as well. So. And you feed them used hops from breweries, and I, these are the happiest animals I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, they are. And, and so you know, like what Nico does. I mean, we're trying to um, you know like reduce, reuse, recycle. Right. That's the the mantra of the recycling composting world. Uh, and so, you know, one, one person's trash is another person's treasure. And so we can pick up from like Brew Cray or from Second Line Brewing. They need to find a place to, to throw it away. But it still has a very high value of it before, 
you would compost it. So it's still a high-quality animal feed, so we can incorporate that into our, our feeding program as well. I take well. it this farm isn't on veterans and metairie. It's, uh, no, no, it's, it's uh, we, we, uh, we went to the North Shore and kind of kept going. So we're just in the Washington Parish in South Bogalusa. Nico, what's your one thing that's stopping you from getting bigger? Because you, you have a lot of ideas. And what is it? Is it, is it funding? Funding is huge. Um, in order to build and buy equipment, um, in order to scale up. I mean, like one piece of equipment that I don't have <clears throat> is a way to screen the material when it's finished composting and get sort of the chunky bits of wood and other things that aren't finished composting. And then the composted material that becomes the what they call finished compost that you would put in your garden, you could bag that and sell it. And we've been talking up until now about where you're gathering, uh, gathering these, what you need for compost, where, where do you sell it? Um, I, right now, I, I give away most of it to the farms that I work with. So it's a sort of trade, like Holly Grove gets everyone, all the growers on site get their compost for free, and I'm not paying rent there. Um, I work with a couple other farms uh, to compost on site, and they get compost for free. But then it's just sort of word of mouth. Um, and part of that is that my phone, you know, I get a lot of phone messages. I can't, you know, I got to go back home and check all those messages. And so the time it takes to run, you know, all components of the business take a while. So I haven't done any advertising and I just kind of get calls here and there. I heard you got compost and it's, it's been at that scale for a while <laughs> until I can really open the floodgates, which, and, and part of that is sort of my own personal personality and philosophy of, of growing a business very slowly and small in a, in a small way to address the needs and I come, this is my first business ever, so I come from really a nonprofit background and a teaching background. So You know what I was impressed with is part of your goal here is, is employment for, for young people. Yeah, yeah. So I, I used to work for New Orleans Food and Farm Network, and we worked with volunteers, we worked with kids, um, and we would build backyard gardens to teach people how to grow or to help people who already knew how to grow. And um, I left that, and we had this idea of, well, if, if there was a composting company in town, that would definitely provide a lot of these green jobs that everyone talks about. And there's also a lot of great training programs, leadership programs, Edible Schoolyard and GrowDat, two of them. Um, and so we wanted to try to make that bridge. Um, and so when I was at Food and Farm, we looked at the idea of a composting company. And when I left Food and Farm Network, grant money dried out, lost my job, um, started looking into that business. And so picked up where other people, like there was a few, um, there was a, woman at Holly Grove who used to compost and picked up from uh, coffee shops and so I started picking up her clients and took off and just grew the business from there. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Nico Craybill from the compost company Schmelly's Dirt Farm and Grant Estrad from Laughing Buddha Nursery and Local Cooling Farm. We'll be right back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Nico Craybill from the compost company Schmelly's Dirt Farm and Grant Estrad from Laughing Buddha Nursery and Local Cooling Farm. And Grant, you, as a part of your business, I guess maybe it's one of the newer parts, but this subscription box really interested me. It's a, I mean, I, I, before you explain it, when I think of that, I usually think of like a set uh, the company decides what's going to be in it and everybody gets the same box, but you're not doing that either. We're not. It's, it's it's fairly unique, and you know we didn't um, we didn't come up with this on our own. We're, we're we didn't recreate the wheel. One of our our mentor farms who's out of state, they've been doing this for years. So we really got to benefit from a lot of their experience. And um, you know we're and we're not only selling our product, but we've teamed up with other farms to help them 
sell their product because one of the biggest challenges is logistics. You know, so if you got one farmer in Mississippi and he wants to bring a bunch of produce down, it's just hard to, to do the traveling and they have to have an air-conditioned box and all that and so on and so forth. So, so we can, um, based upon when they're in town, we can get all that stuff in, we can aggregate it and put it on an availability list and we'll send it out. And so we have these food hubs that are populated in different neighborhoods. So like, say, for example, Lakeview. Okay. We've got uh, a Lakeview email list, you know, and if somebody wants on it, we just put them on the email list. We'll shoot them an email. Hey, guys, this is what's available this week. The pick is on Thursday between 4 and 7, and it's everything that's available that week. So and they, they decide. What they decide, about. and it's all a cart. So they can get a dozen eggs, or they can get a dozen eggs and some ground pork or some produce or whatever. And then do you bring it, do you bring it all to a central location or? We, we do, so we, you know, so I'll, I'll keep using an example of Lakeview. So we'll, we'll get all the Lakeview orders, we'll put everybody's order in the bag, put their name on it. Um, we'll uh, throw it in a little pickup truck and Kate takes off with it. And then people come, set time, they say, hey, I'm here to pick up my order and we grab that bag and, you know, we just bring the sale right then and there. So it's really nice and it's good because we know that everything that we're taking out of the freezer, taking out of the fridge, is, is being sold. So there's really no risk of being like, oh, this, this, this product sat out, and so now it like, thawed out, what do we do now? So it's a very efficient process in how we're doing it. And both of you are really trying to, more of a big picture, trying to change the way we eat, right? It's, uh, I mean, uh, against that kind of standard mega corporation uh, food. To a certain extent, but what, you know, to play off of what Nico said is just creating jobs. You know, I mean, the biggest, there's a lot of talk about, you know, manufacturing jobs and local economy and stuff like that. Well, this is a sector that's got um, this huge potential. I mean, because we all eat three times a day and, um, and it is, uh, it is manufacturing work. So, uh, so you've got to have that skill set. But, you know, we, 90, I think Louisiana, I think the stat is that we import 95% of our food. And so if, if there are more people, you know, doing composting, that, that, that does tail up with the, with the, you know, composting and the, and the waste industry. But then you can use those resources to grow the food to feed the people. And then you're creating jobs and all kinds of stuff. And you're lowering costs for a lot of people as well. So it's a, it really is a, a fantastic thing. I think if you guys get any bigger, uh, it's, it's a pretty great model. It, it is. Really, yeah, it, it is. And it yeah. seems like it could grow. I mean, obviously, we talked about restrictions of maybe funding and things like that, but it's kind of limitless, right? I, I think so, too, to the point to where, you know, Kate and I talk about this all the time. We have to actually set caps on ourselves. Like, so we have 15 acres uh, in Bogalusa. Well, if we're going to be doing, you know, sustainable, regenerative agriculture, we can only have so many animals on that that given acreage you know we rotate everybody around and all that kind of stuff but you know we set caps okay we can do this many pigs every year and then that's it but the market says we can do you know 20 times that and so you know another thing that i appreciate about nico's education aspect is that you know we're we're not doing uh we're, we're i'm more of an open source guy so if i can convince other people to do their own farm that's cool and i don't have to worry about that competition because the market is just so big so I think we just, instead of like any individual farm getting huge, we just need a whole network of a whole bunch of farms. And Nico, you're in kind of the same boat. I, I'd read somewhere where sometimes you'll get like a, like a hotel or something that wants to have you pick up six days a week. And uh, you won't take those projects that are going to, you know, are just going to smother you. Yeah. And especially because like <clears throat> that, that meeting with uh, that hotel, um, like probably the second largest hotel in the city, 
they were like, you seem to not have the transportation logistics. And I was like, I definitely don't. But I'm working towards that, that direction. But I've definitely, along the, the th last three years, I've asked myself, like, how much do I want to grow? And these are really important questions for me. Um, realizing that, you know, composting is not just an agricultural job, it's a transportation job. Um, and not wanting to create a trucking industry that's driving stuff way out of town, which a lot of models in other cities do, and it's probably the best way that most big cities um, do it, New York, San Francisco, and other places, um, they're driving it hundreds of miles outside. But I'm really wanting to try to look on what can we do in the city, and how can we do that thing where we're supporting each other, um, farms and all the different agriculture aspects. Um, Nico, could you work with a, a, like a traditional garbage company? Would that is that not what you need? Well, or I had a traditional garbage company call me. Um, uh, uh, one of the a uh, big national garbage company that works in town. Um, they called me, and I I thought they were scoping me out to see what I was doing or <laughs> wanting to compete, and so I had a lot of questions for them, but. They immediately got to my site and they said that they forgot their nose clips that they were. <laughs> and they That's were. That's how we get rid of people. They, they were great. Um, they were really fun, and they just—they actually just wanted to know who was doing this because they get calls about people who want their compost picked up and they didn't know who to refer it to. So, um, and and I've I've been working. That's Republic Services, and I've been connecting with them over different different times. They um they pick up the compostable coffee chaff from Folgers. Folgers oh, wants wow. to be zero waste by 2020. And they take it out of town somewhere. I don't know to who. I think they do like a fertilizer or something. And um, But they wanted to know if I wanted some of that coffee chaff. And I said, yeah, definitely. I can use that in my in my process. Well, later on, will be Schmelly's Farm, a division of waste management. There's something. Exactly. <laughs> it, it could be. <laughs> Nico and Grant, this is the part of the show we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. Now, you can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that may have turned out really great or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had a great idea for you? Did you take their advice and how did it turn out, Grant? Well, um, well, since we're on a theme of, of composting, I, I, uh, I had I don't know a, if Commanders wants us to yeah, discuss right, exactly this at all. Right. Well, you know, when, we, um, when I first opened up the store, I ran into this lady who did, like, networking kind of a deal. And she's like, let's invite all my friends over, and if they buy anything, she wanted a cut of the sale kind of a deal, right? So you buy the food and the booze and get them over here. And I remember being so mad because I realized it was just – they were just there for the free, you know, food and booze kind of a thing, right? So, but I had I had one conversation with this guy, and he goes, you know, uh, one industry that fascinates me is the composting industry, and and I go, oh, you need all kinds of equipment, you need all kinds of space to do it, and he goes, no, you just need to start and make a little pile, and he made this little hand gesture of a pile, and he goes, you you make that and you sell half of it, and you just like keep going, you know, and repeat kind of a thing, and I really thought a lot about that after that, and and that was something that I did, and it ended up working out very much. So that was um, even though I was mad because I didn't make any sales or anything like that, but that was a great piece of so advice, that, that and I piece and, of it. and I definitely went with it, and it's um, it's uh, proven to benefit me and other businesses. Now, Nico, what about yourself? Um, the the first thing that came to mind was a, a podcast I listened to about uh, edible bugs, and I haven't taken this advice yet, but maybe I'm looking towards it. <laughs> 
I like it already. No, no one it steal my idea here. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently, to farm insects, the, their number one food source is food scraps. So oh. I'm already dealing in that business, so I might be able to make that work out. But the, the, the one piece of advice that someone did give me a long time ago was my senior year of high school, my photo teacher, who was actually a painter, he wasn't uh, very good at um, computers at all, and the school gave him a whole classroom full of computers, and he didn't know how to use them, and they wanted uh, him to teach the class Photoshop. And I had just taken a class with my dad about um, Photoshop, and so I co-taught the class with with my teacher that senior year and at the end of the class he said if you ever want to teach you should call me up after college and you know maybe I can get you a job here because you were a great teacher and I, was, I had no I had never thought of myself as a, <laughs> potentially being a teacher and then I went to I went, ended up going to photo school for a number of years and when I got out of school applying for jobs I started applying for tutor tutoring jobs at schools and so I ended up becoming a teacher in Chicago for two years and that's led me to really see the world in a different way, that we all have something to teach, um, and that really sharing knowledge is primary thing. And you have a very, you have an educational component to what you're doing now. Exactly. That's, that's all I really want to do is, is, is to help, help share. The drift away from urban dwellers getting our hands dirty started a long time ago, probably around the time of the Industrial Revolution in 1800. It would take an Armageddon-like catastrophe to turn us all back into farmers, but there's definitely some middle ground between urban and rural that gives us the best of both worlds. The internet has helped take the benefits of city dwelling to people living in the country, and people like you, Nico and Grant, are bringing the benefits of rural life into the city. Thank you both for what you're doing and taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Yep, thank you for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Nico Craybill, operator and owner of Schmelly's Dirt Farm, and Grant Estrad, the operator and owner of Laughing Buddha Nursery and Local Cooling Farms. You can find out more about Nico's compost and Grant's organic ventures by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show or to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans' Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace. For more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 